I was working at the hotel as a manager, but then they shut the hotel down without any notice. And I was homeless for six months on the streets with only two pairs of clothes. And it gets chilly over there. Right then and then I decided this is not a life that I wanted. So I started working my way up, started saving money to get to the top. You got to save some money at the beginning. My dad always used to tell me growing up that you got to save some money to be a millionaire. You got to save some money. But he never told me to invest the money because he never got to that point. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is Clark here with my co-host Jace. This is episode 172. Jace, what's going on? How are you? Doing great, man. How you doing? Doing well. We just had a few interviews tonight. A couple fun ones. A couple, uh, it's a guy who worked in tech, right? Had stock options, about a million dollars in Airbnb. Pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. We continue to get, you know, amazing stories, amazing interviews and different portfolios. And this is another one that we just haven't had. And, you know, obviously they're out there. You know, we see these companies, these tech companies get sold and, and, and go public. And obviously they're creating millionaires. And and that's fun to finally have one on the show. So that'll be coming out here in the future. Yeah. yeah. Did you double your net worth because of your game, your GameStop stock? <laughs> Oh, you know me, man. I'm day trading all the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I didn't get in on that frenzy, but it's been dropping like a rock, just like I think most people predicted. Oh, it but dropped 80, yeah, 80% 80 in the last few days here. So, yeah. Should have sold. Yeah, sold. yeah, yeah. But it definitely uh, put a damper on those hedge fund. I think the hedge, one of those hedge fund managers, you know, he had just barely bought a massive mansion down in South Florida and his his hedge fund Melvin Capital, I believe, had to take a massive influx from his mentor. So interesting times for sure. <laughs> Do you think it really influenced any any of those guys? Like, you think they're like, oh, we can't mess with the small investor or the small retail investor anymore? Or you think it's just like, hey, maybe I just need to like shut my big mouth and not tell everybody what I'm investing in. No, I mean, I think there's going to be some interesting things that come out of this. One is it'll be interesting to see if the SEC gets involved in, in, you know, forcing some sort of transparency amongst some of these investors, right? Like, it's interesting if you really look at the landscape, any employee even that works for a brokerage house has to disclose what they do, right? They're just buying five shares of Apple. They got to disclose that. You look at any of these big publicly traded companies, I mean, we know exactly the compensation packages of every single, well, at least top five executives. Uh, you know, we go look it up. We can look at everything that, I mean, you know, that they've been given as part of their comp package and any trades they make are filed with the SEC, right? So there's a lot of transparency except for in the hedge fund investment world. And so I, it'll be interesting to see one, if there's some, some, some transparency that's either called on by Congress or whoever uh, amongst these hedge funds that bring, cause this thing would never have happened had there been that. I mean, they were, you know, essentially they had shorted more of the shares than were available, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is just like a causing for a house of cards to, to drop, right? I mean, was, some of it was on margin and stuff, but at any rate, it, it just shouldn't have been able to happen to some degree. And so 
if transparency gets forced in one way or another, then yeah, I mean, they're going to be required to, but I don't think that they're really worried about the retail investor. I mean, that was a pretty amazing feat that was put on by a bunch of people uh, to make that all happen. I mean, it really was. So when you say it shouldn't have happened, which element? Which element are you saying shouldn't have happened? Just just the fact that the the stock was shorted beyond what it was essentially able to be. I mean, basically the the short said, "Hey, look, this company is worth less than zero, <laughs> which maybe it was, but being able to take a company <laughs> down like that and make a bet on that, I mean, that's why this whole thing kind of went. You know, I mean, that's why it took off is because it was like, well, shoot, I mean. You can look at the math. I mean, this isn't, you know, we get 25 people to pump this stock up a little bit. All those guys are going to lose tons of money and we're going to make a bunch. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. And now a bunch of them are making it as GameStop's going down anyway. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. And it was, uh, it was interesting to follow this week. I mean, it started with GameStop and then there was AMC, Ross, uh, what, Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, some headphone company that nobody's ever heard of that jumped 5 million percent or something. But Anyway, bunch of bunch of them this week. It was interesting to see. Anyway, just a, a quick recap from last week. We had Joel. He's an electrical engineer turned software engineer. Has about a current net worth of just over five hundred thousand. Well on his way. So just wanted to highlight his story of those that are almost a millionaire status. Today's show we have Max. He grew up in India. Has a net worth of one million. Owns a gas station with a small convenience store or a retail shop and and a hotel. He's got about a hundred thousand dollars in cash and a hundred thousand dollars in stock. So inter- interesting interview with him. Uh, if you enjoy the show, we appreciate you leaving a, a review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever platform you listen to. It helps us get the word out here and keep this thing growing. Uh, we got a review this week, Jace, from I'm a listener. You know that person? I'm a listener. I highly recommend giving them a listen. Their show is full of, of helpful info that we can all benefit from hearing. So thanks from that review and appreciate the compliment. I, I think we all learn something from each of the millionaires. So whether it's something that a path that we want to go or some other route. Uh, each millionaire, I think, has added value in in some way. So we're obviously appreciative to everybody who comes on and shares their story. So thanks again for tuning in with us. And without any further ado, please help me welcome Max to the show. Max, you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're up to now? Yes. Hello there. My name is Max and technically I'm Asian. I grew up in India and other countries before I moved to States. And I do the, I own the, some retail stores here in Florida now, but I'm working my way towards a millionaire. Awesome. And, and what's your net worth today? It's about a million around that range. Oh, awesome. And how is that broken up? Most of them is in real estate right now, commercial and some of the residential, but 10% is on stock and 10% is on cash right now, just to be an emergency fund. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on the show uh, about your your journey, and I want to get into that. But the commercial real estate is that the retail stores that you own currently? Yes, I own one of the retail stores, and I have a hotel as well in Texas. Oh, cool! And then you you said you had some residential. Do you have some rental properties, or is that your personal residence? No, it's just the rental properties. Two of them we just acquired this year. Awesome. Trying to dip my feet into the rental. <laughs> there you go. So let's back up here, Max. Just give our listeners, you know, maybe take us back to, to your childhood a little bit and just give everybody some context on where you've come from and, and who Max is. Yep. So we, I was born in India, not in rich family, poor family, if you say so. A few years, we lived in tent, 
we lived in uh, poor housing and always struggling for the food and money kind of deal. My dad used to take care of us, but he's always he was always out on bicycles carrying 50, 60 pounds of clothing to sell around the market neighborhoods to feed us. From there, my aunt moved to the States and we came in here in 2004 and we were still struggling, but we fought through. I moved to the New York, Buffalo, New York one point. I used to go to school over there and that was my worst time of the year or life, you could say that. I was working at the hotel as a manager, so they had me staying over there at the property. So I had no rental property or house that time to live on. But then they shut the hotel down without any notice. And I was homeless for six months on the streets with only two pairs of clothes. And it gets chilly over there in the wintertime. Right then and then I decided this is not a life that I wanted. So I started working my way up, started saving money to get to the top. You got to save some money at the beginning. That way you could invest it or work on your own way to business. But that's me. I always, my dad always used to tell me growing up that you got to save some money to be a millionaire. You got to save some money. But he never told me to invest the money because he never got to that point. Wow. This is me. Yep. That's pretty wild. So let's just back up. I mean, you've, you've come such a long way. Congrats on, on your yeah. success and especially against all odds. So is, is your family, your, your dad still back in India? No, he's here with me. I'm taking care of him. He's a 65 plus. My mom is 65. My grandma is 89. And they're they're living with me right now and I'm taking care of them. Oh, awesome. Are they pretty proud of you and your success? Yep. They, I'm the I'm the one of my three brothers that made it this far in wow. my family. Are your brothers so. still over in India or are they here too? No, they're, they're over here too. He's on his way to be a millionaire too. Oh, awesome. So, you're homeless for six months. Well, what was that like? When you live in Buffalo, especially with three feet of snow outside your house or outside your box, it's crazy, man. You will always trying to find the food in dumpsters. I, w- I used to camp out behind the restaurant, actually. They had the restaurant hood went outside the street alley. That used to keep me warm in the nighttime, but that's about it. And you go around, try to find a job, but nobody will give you a job because you, you're homeless. You never took a shower anywhere. I was kind of guy that I didn't want to help my family, so I never reached out to them at all. I always wanted to be on my feet and work on my way up. It's one of the experiences you get, and you learn from it, and you learn and you move forward with it. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So when you're scrambling around trying to find a job yep. and, and nobody wants to hire you, what was that first job that took a chance on you to, to, to be able to get out of that homeless situation? That was one of, I used to be really good with computers back, even back then. That was in 2007 when the economy crashed and stuff like that. And one of the local hotel guy wanted to do the camera setup and stuff like that for security and networking for his whole hotel rooms. I offered him, I told him I would do all that for the two place to stay and maybe a job in the future if he likes my job, work ideal for him. And he was pretty cool. He was struggling at that time as well. So he just offered me room to stay in and I worked for him. Then he gave me a job two years later down the road. Wow, that's but amazing. He, but he, t- he took me in, so I really appreciate his offer. How, how did you get connected with him? I was looking around for a job in the streets and I walked to his office and asked him if he needed anything to be done. And that's how I got in touch with him. But he's really cool, dude. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, and, and gave you an opportunity. 
he didn't say yes first time, but I went there every week for four or five weeks. Then he's like, okay, what you do and what do you, then he listened to my story and then he said, yes, he'll give me a place to stay if he, if I work on his network and Wi-Fi setups. And you said you got to Buffalo because you were living in California, but you went to, to Buffalo for school. Is that right? Yeah, I was in uh, college, uh, state of New York. I was in university. I like to travel. So what I used to do was I used to work at a hotel and they usually give you a place to stay if you're a manager. That way your housing is paid up and done. And extra money you make is a saving. So I used to bounce around between jobs and jobs in different states just to travel around. That's how I ended up in New York. So then when they closed the hotel, you tried to find a new job and just weren't, you weren't able to right away. No, because when they closed the hotel, it was that. And then they just kicked me out right away on the spot. Like no heads up or no notice or nothing like that. Gotcha. And and you didn't have the savings to go rent a place or something, obviously. Nope. Back then, I didn't do much of the savings at all. I just believed in paycheck to paycheck living, kind of most of the people do right now. Yeah. Do you still have contact with the, the guy that took a chance on you? Deal, but he's unfortunately passed away about three years ago. Oh, sorry to hear. Yep. Sorry to hear. I went, in, I went to his ceremony and his family went back to the overseas. He's, he was from Middle East. Wow, that's that's amazing. So then you started working, helping him doing computer work, and and yes. he said you said he gave you a job two years later. But and how yes. long how long did you stay with him? Almost six months, and I cleaned up a little bit, and I started taking showers since I had the housing with him. Then I went outside and found a job, found a job at Publix and the other grocery store over there. It was a big chain grocery store that I started bagging groceries for them for minimum wage, and at the and the university gave me twenty hours on campus to work on and were you finishing school still or did you did you stop no, going I, to school at that time no i finished it in chicago oh, you finished oh okay so when did you move to chicago right after there I, I i got accepted in northwestern chicago so i accepted and i moved over there at northwestern you said yep yep northwestern. oh wow About, and was that was that to finish undergrad or for a master's program undergrad undergrad okay nice and and in new york it was just starting your associate's degree? No, I was still undergrad, yes. I actually, I started my school in California. I was in UCLA for two years. Then I moved to the Texas A&M for one year. Then I moved to six months in Virginia Tech and six months in Buffalo, New York. Then I was going to, then one year in, in uh, Northwestern in Chicago. Okay. And were the, were the moves because your family was moving around and you were moving with them? No, or that was just, just me moving around, trying to get experience of all the states and all the universities. Okay. Because back then I was I was really into traveling and I've been to five countries in four years when I was in college. Wow, nice. Okay, so then you, you finished school in Chicago and then did you stay in, and work in Chicago? No, then I got a job offer in California, so I moved back over there. I actually worked with Microsoft for six months. As an intern, then they laid off whole team and moved the job overseas. So I was back in the market for a job. And then you were able to find another one or, or no? Yeah, then I was able to find a job in Texas as a hotel manager, which I had experience on. So I took first available job I had. They gave me or I found. Awesome. So so now going back to your net worth, you mentioned you have some retail holdings, or right? Yep. How, how did you get those? Did you purchase them by yourself? Did you do it with your family, with your brothers, with friends, or how did those come no. to be? I was in, I was working in San Diego as a hotel manager. Then one of my brother called me up. He was in Panama City Beach. 
He said he has a closed down gases and if I wanted to manage. And I said, and my mom and dad was begging me to come here in Flor- to Florida. So I was like, okay, I will do it. It was a step backwards in money, money wise, but I'm like, okay, I'll be close to family. So I started working here as a manager. Then the building wanted to be, the owner wanted to sell the property. So I was like, okay, I will look into that. And two years later, I had enough down payment to sign the contract. So I did. It was closed down property. I fixed it up and I did, uh, I picked up business and stuff like that. And that, that time he wanted to get out of the property. So. And what is it like a, a little strip mall with lots lots yeah. of retail stores or no? It's just uh, one gas station with the retail store and there's one small storage spaces back there. Okay, so that's the one in Florida. And then what about yep. the one in Texas? That's the hotel that I bought right afterwards with a few few of my partners. Okay, so once but, you finished school in Chicago and you and you started working in California, you just start you were you you started saving, and that's how you were able to buy these properties. No, not then. I was still living paycheck to paycheck. I was, I was, like I said, I was really deep into traveling. So I was just burning all my money into traveling. But then I moved here into Florida. Then I realized that I'm getting older now. I'm 24, 25. I'm going to get married soon. So I need to start my career and I don't want to sure be homeless again anymore. So. Yeah. So was, was there, was the moment where that realization kicked in? Was it that you were, I mean, you just said it, right? You were 24, 25. Was it a conversation you had, or obviously you mentioned you don't want to be homeless again. How did that change of mind happen? It's when I had a few customers came in as a homeless. One of them was really good over here. I used to work and I still work 16 hours a day over here at my location, but he came in one day. He said he was in army actually. And right. He came back from the army as a medical medical discharge nobody would give him a job and he had the skills to set everything and he said he made a lot of money in the military but he never thought of saving it then i sat down and talked to him for a few hours and i realized that i'm doing the same thing he's doing and he's homeless right now if something happens to me i'm gonna be homeless again right on the street and i was like okay i need to start saving some money and, and so how much how much were you making at that time that time i was only making about twenty five thousand a year still able to save or did you just work yep. on increasing your income or what'd you do i was still able to save ten thousand out of 25 a year when you're on saving more i decided that i would save 100 percent, 50 percent of my salary but that never happened because you're kind of making meat i scaled back on my living i moved from a house to a trailer home and cut down my cost of living and stuff like that then i started saving money about eight first year was eight thousand second it was ten and when i got to the thirty forty thousand i started playing with stocks and day trading and kind of like that and made some more money and started saving. So the gas station you own now, how, mu- how much was it? How much did you purchase it for and what was your down payment amount? The down payment amount was 200000 Price of gas station is a million dollars. So you put down 20% and yep. so when you, when you started, you said the first year you saved eight and then 10000 How many years from that realization, you said you were about 24, 25 when you started saving, how many years between then and when you purchased the gas station? How many years Uh, did it take you to save up the 200, I guess? Well, I had 150 saved up and my cousin helped me with 50, but it was five years, almost four and a half years. Wow. So you really accelerated it then. If if you saved eight the first year and 10 the second year, you were able to save, what, over 100 grand in the next couple of years? Yes, because I was I started trading, playing with stocks, and my business income went up over here too. As a manager, then gave, my partner gave me ten percent partnership in it because I worked really hard over here, so my income started okay. going up too. 
but my okay. expense stayed the same. Yeah. So you just, you grew your income and, and well, yeah. lowered your, kept your expenses. Yep. Wow. Interesting. So, so now what's your goal? Do you want to buy more properties? Do you want to just keep running these efficiently or, or where do you go from here? My goal is to fix up the store really because this is a really old store with 20 years of no updates. But I want to have my base solid before I move on to some new projects. I want to have this store run efficiently on its own so I could get out of here and expand my investment somewhere else in different projects. My goal at the end is to have a few rental properties up about 10, 10, 20 and have some multifamilies and some stocks and bonds. That's a 10-year goal. Let's talk about how you're going to approach that. I know you mentioned earlier you've got some stocks. Are those in retirement accounts or are those just in taxable accounts that you invest in the, in the stock market? In taxable account that I started with the Merrill Lynch Bank of America. I've been with them for 15 years. So nobody taught me about saving as a retirement account. I was just learning on my own. Yeah, so. totally. So as far as acquiring real estate, what's what's your strategy? You know, I mean, you mentioned you've got a couple of rentals so far. What's your strategy as you kind of build up your portfolio over the next decade? My strategy is to help people out who are in need. Like basically, they're going to be about if they're on a foreclosure, I could offer them decent amount of their loan so they don't bang up their credits either. And I acquire real estate. The way I want to grow up is to help others at the same time. So. I'm I'm aiming for foreclosure properties and stuff like that, and maybe invest passively in multifamilies with syndicators. Yeah. So let's let's go back into these properties that you just acquired. How did you end up finding them? One of them is right next to the mobile home I used to live in. It's about one mile from there. I always drove by there, and one time I saw one time I saw that he was trying to sell it, and I asked him what's going on, and he said that he lost his job and he wants can make and meet and can make a mortgage payment and ask him how much he owes for it. It was about 20% cheaper than market value. So I told him I would pay for your loan in exchange for the deed of the house. And then he won't get his credit banged up either. So I, and he said, yes. And we, we got in touch with the bank and they approved it. That's my first real, real estate. I got it. And second was, was on auction online. It was already to the foreclosure went to it. Oh, wow. And was that a three bedroom, two bath? Typical rental yep. or okay. Typical three bedroom, two bath. And and you just bought that with cash, I'm assuming. Yep. Awesome. I'm trying to. I'm more like a conservative when it comes to my money right now. Trying to save some money, increase my cash flow and network at the same time without taking too much risk, like a loan wise. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you mentioned that that you were going to start a family. How did some of these conversations of, of where you wanted to go and and your dreams and the situation you came from, how did that all play a role in, in you know, making some of the decisions that you made along the way? When I grew up, I was always poor, so I knew how to save money. My dad always taught me, but then I lost track of all that. But then I sat down with my wife. We married about four years ago, five years ago, right when I was starting my store career here. Then I Then we talked about it, and we said, this is not the way we want to live our life this is not what we want to pass on to our kids and we went from there wow so max what do you do how do you look what do you live off of now the income from these rentals from and from the gas station income from the gas stations mostly goes into the savings right now until i find a different property i'm living off the rental money that i get off my two houses right now. so That's, yeah how much is that i'm just curious on numbers it's, 
two thousand dollars a month from all all combined. So your live your your twenty five thousand dollars a year is what you guys are spending. Yep, approximately. And then, nice. And then you're you're saving the income off of the gas station, which is how much? It's almost around hundred fifty to hundred sixty a year. Wow. Wow, good for you. And then you're hoping to use that money to buy more properties. Yep. It's the gas station income just started growing up because we just picked up a business and stuff like that from last year and a half before they was just breaking anyone. So Yeah. So t- talk to us about the gas station because I think that's interesting. I don't think we've had somebody on the show that's owned one before or hasn't mentioned it at least. So it was a million dollars, right? You bought it for 200 yeah. down, you said, 20% down. Yeah. Uh, is it a independent gas station or is it a, like a Shell or a Chevy it's franchise? A brand, or? It's a branded Shell gas station, but the way the gas station works is that the loan amount was higher. So what I did was first I negotiated with the owner for the lease to purchase agreement and I offered him 200000 down payment towards the lease. And I had a three years to sign the contract and close the deal because when you're first new newcomers, it's hard to get a loan, especially when you don't have much of an income. The bank side, they want to make sure that you have experience at the same time you have income coming in. And I had experience, but I didn't have the income rolling in from the station. So it took me two years to improve the business over here because this was a closed gas station and in really bad reputation because this one had 20 different owners in the last 18 years. And wow. I'm the one who stayed the longest over here. Well, it's right on I-10 exit, but everybody wants screwed up over here. Everybody. Uh, every different owners that came in, one was selling alcohols to the kids, one was selling drugs and stuff like that. It was a bad reputation in news. It was in local news a few times. One screwed up with the state lottery. So everybody that came in here, it wasn't doing much. So they want to do, they want to be, make money off the other stuff that wasn't legal. So I, so I cleaned up most of the stuff. It took me three years to bring back the people's reputation. My goal was to run the station at the same time, help the people who need help here around here too. And that's yes. how, that's what I believe on to help to grow together, grow up together instead of just helping myself make money. Yeah. Yeah. It's commendable. Good for you. So w- were you losing money on those three years? Yeah, first year we lost almost $30,000, but that came out of inventory we had. So we were really struggling with inventory and stuff like that. Second year, we barely broke even. We lost about $2,000, I believe, because I didn't have salary for almost a year over here. When the first year, we lost a lot of money. I was living by my savings account. Savings I had gathered up about $10,000, $12,000. I was living down almost to the pennies. Then I picked up business a little bit slowly here and there, a little bit marketing, Facebook marketing. I did a little bit here and there. Then third year, we made $20,000. Then I wrote my first salary check. So talk, talk me through the numbers on a gas station here. How much of the, so you're make you say you're making about 120-ish right now, right? 130 yes. a year yes. from the gas station? Okay. So it's about, all right. So 120 a year, right? So where's the, where are the biggest profits coming from? Is it on the sale of gas? Is it on the sale of food and beverages? Is it on lotto tickets? How is the money? Is it evenly distributed? It's evenly distributed, but in the gas stations, you don't, you hardly make any money in gas. Beer and tobacco and cigarettes, you hardly make anything if you make anything. Usually beer and tobacco only makes you 5% of net profit or 5%. That's your profit in beer and, beer and cigarettes and tobacco. In the gas, you make about 3 or $0.04 cent a gallon. But there's a lot of regulations that comes with the gas part. You always got to keep up with it. 
all the environmental issues and stuff like that. So basically, you're going to put all that money back into the maintenance of the pump and tank. Most of the money is coming out of the regular chips and sodas and coffees and stuff like that. That's how usually the retail works. And lottery, they only give you about half percent. So it's not much in lottery at all. Maybe that the lottery just helps maybe bring people into the... Yep. That's into how it. the lottery, cigarettes, and beer works. It's used to bring the people in, usually. So how did you figure all this out, Max? Because, I mean, it's kind of a... There's some barriers to entry, right? I mean, it's complicated to go think of all the environmental issues and the regulatory stuff and owning a gas station and coordinating with drop-off and delivery of gas, I assume. I assume there's regulations on who can sell alcohol and lotto tickets. I mean, there's probably a lot to learn there. Yep, there are a lot of regulations, and nobody was here to teach me at all. When I started working here, they just dropped me off here and never showed up technically. All the owners, they just dropped me off here. You could run this one now. I'm like, okay. Then I started reading through the, all the books and laws and regulations, started calling state, see what I need to do, what I not need to do. And back then, we had no employees. I was just by myself. I opened 6, 6 a.m. and closed it at 10 p.m. I researched, researched. I even sold one or two cigarettes to underage and failed one inspection that way. But luckily, it was just a penalty that they fine you first time. So it was break because if you sell to minors a few times a year, that's a criminal offense too towards you who sells it. So I got lucky with only selling one time with the gas station. With the gas is that you got you got to keep check your readings, like how many gallons of gas you have in your tank, how many gallons you sold previously, and how much you're going to estimate to sell. Because you need to give them 24-hour notice to bring you gas, which is coming out of a different company. There is a third-party wholesaler that brings you gas from Shell Terminal to your store. And do you there are a lot pay? of regulations and a lot of licenses that you need. Alcohol license is different. Occupation license is different. Corporation license is different. Is a gas tank license that's different. Is environmental license you're gonna need to take that's different. And there's all the city license. So you're gonna you're basically just focusing on eight to ten licenses to run the store. And yeah. and does Shell take a franchise fee or a percentage of your sales, or how do they do it? The way that works is that. When you have a Shell name, you could only sell their gas, their brand of gas at all. Only their brand because they have specific amount of different ingredients into the gas to keep your gas tank clean. And Shell is the best of the best case gas when you get when you are out in the market and that's independently studied. So what where the Shell works is that they give their contract to individual wholesalers, they call wholesalers, and they're the one signs you a 10-year or 20-year contract of buying gas from them in exchange for the shell name. So you are locked in with them for 20 years, basically. Okay, so they don't take a percentage of your sales, they just make you buy their gas. Yes, but and, and they make their gas is always higher than a regular market gas. Higher so that's price. Why, yeah, that's so that's why you basically see all their the shell gas is higher in the market. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Just cur- out of curiosity, how many how many gallons does the gas station hold? It it varies by tank by tank. Depending on underground storage or above ground storage they have. Over here, I have 10,000 gallons for the regular compartment and 4,000 for the premium and 4,000 for the diesel. But if you go to big stations, they may have big tank that holds 50,000 gallons or 60,000 gallons at a time. Wow. So 8,000 gallons, how, how quickly or how often do you have to replenish that? It, you, the whole delivery is 8,000 gallons. That's where the truck comes in. With 8,000 gallons, so if you take less than 8,000 gallons, you're going to have to pay higher fees for it because they're driving you for half, with a half tank of gas in there. But 
it usually takes me a week to sell it. So every every week or so, you're refilling. Yep, every every week or every in summertime, it's about twice a week, but the rest of the time it's just the one week or every other week. Gotcha. So <laughs> it's pretty interesting, Max. You have to admit, right, that someone's buying a gas station that doesn't have any experience and and doesn't know what to do, but it didn't. No. It doesn't seem to worry you as much. And that's how my throughout my life. That's how it started. When I moved here into the states, I had no experience with English at all. I never. I, I didn't even know alphabet when I moved here. So they throw. I was actually in eighth grade when I was in India. When I came back here, they throw me in senior year. And they made me skip two years, but they made me took four years of English in one year. That's how I started learning English. But when I went to college, I had no experience of school at college or anything like that. They just, I just went in there. Here, I will figure out on my own. When I started working at the hotel, the guy just left me at the front desk and he just took off. I'm like, here, run it. I'm like, okay. That's how I've been thrown out here at the gas station too. Like, here, run it. I'm like, okay. So I just learned on my own teach myself what I can. If not, Google it, search it online, watch videos, and you got to watch your inventory. Yeah, you got to watch your inventory really tight. If somebody started stealing you or some of your employees started stealing, then you are in a hole. And you can't find out right away that they're stealing. You will find out when you do your inventory count, which is usually once a month or so on. By that time, you'll be in $10,000 in a hole. So, so is investing in a gas station something that you do again or something that you recommend? Something that I don't recommend, but if you have experience in it, yes. If you don't, because if you got to look at the future too, in the future, 10, 20 years down the road, there'll be more electric cars on the streets. So they won't be needing too much gas. So your volume is going to go down. People are going to stop less. Unless you have one of the neighborhood stores in a big town that you, they, you sell more beers and stuff than the gas. But I would say not a gas station at all. Yeah, so so what does that mean for you? Are you, are you going to look into selling the gas station or are you just going to hold My it? goal is to get get my other businesses, the restaurants. I'm looking into rest, building restaurant chains. I'm experiencing, experimenting with the, how to make pizzas and stuff like that on my own. Start my little food chain and diversify my way into the retail and passive income. And by the time when I get my set income coming in, I'm going to probably sell or lease the gas station to somebody else. What mistakes did you make, Max, along the way? Is there something that you look back and say, hey, I wish I would have done this differently? Yep, a lot of them, not just one. Like I said, I made a lot of mistakes to be here. My dad always taught me to save money. I never saved it. I burned it all in traveling. My my grandpa used to tell me that save 50% of your paycheck, start investing in yourself and your education and your business. Do not work for somebody else. If you're going to work for somebody else, you're just filling their pocket. Basically, you, if you have skills, you could be on your own boss. I never took that seriously until I was th- almost 30. And one point at the time, I was making enough money to start my own business and save money, but I never did. There's a lot, of, like, I, like I said, there's a lot of mistakes I made, but if I had a time to go back again and start learning on it, I would go back and learn on real estate investing sooner than later. You would start in real estate, you said, sooner. Yep, because basically in real estate, you may not need much of money to make money. Well, let me let me just uh, wrap up here, Max, with some rapid-fire questions that we normally ask, and then we'll get yep. into some, some last advice. So what, what's the most expensive car you've ever purchased? My first car was after 10 years of making money. It was the Honda Odyssey that I paid $38,000 for. Are you going to buy an electric car, owning a gas station, or are you going to keep going gas? 
No, I'm gonna be owning a Tesla pickup truck. I have my name reserved, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, what's you the got, mo- go ahead? You gotta be. You gotta move with the future, and you gotta take up environment and planet too. So yeah, yep. Uh, what's the most expensive meal out that you've paid for personally? Personally, it was when I was in Hong Kong. I paid two hundred eighty dollars for a burger and a drink. Oh wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, what's worth spending more money on to you and what's not worth the money? To me, spending money on your learning education is more than spending on your food and restaurants and traveling habits or other splurging. Okay. How old were you when you became a millionaire? I'm going to be 31. It's young. Yep. Uh, have you ever used a financial advisor? Never, but when I when we start making more money, I will. Okay. Annual household spending we talked about, right? About 25000 you said? Yep. You always got to control your, what you spend. Yeah. It's a, how did you do that, Max, right? Because $25,000 a year is really low for spending, right? And now you're making one hundred and twenty from this gas station. How did you not, how do you not increase your spending? It did a little bit go up. Now you're spending almost 30, but you cook food home, you move, you rent a house better, but you look at your primary cost. And you see what you, what you're gonna need, like a roof on your head, a light bill, and the food. Then you go from there. You cook home. You cook meat at home. You save a lot of money in groceries. Yeah, you find yeah, yeah. outside. Yeah, eating out is a killer. Yep. But I never never had the food stamps or government help because it could be needed. Somebody somebody else could need it more than I do. So what does it mean for you, Max? As you look back on this journey, what does it mean to be happy or fulfilled and and has this money as you've become a millionaire, has that has that made you more fulfilled or made you more happy? To me, though, if I look at now, money won't make me happy anymore because money is just root of all evil. That's my grandpa used to tell me. But when I was uh, poor, yes, money was happiness back then. But now it's all about uh, building a relationship with people, helping other people out along your way. If you know somebody has skills, you could partner a business with them. Stuff like that makes me happy. Yeah. Did you have any any debt, any student loans from going to these different schools or any other debt? No, only debt I got is the store loans that I'm paying right now. Because my grandpa always used to tell me, have less, much of a debt on your head so you could come out ahead in the long run. So when you went to these different schools, were you able to get scholarships or grants? Yeah. I had a full grant, but luckily I had a good grades in school. So, and I used to work in the universities too for the money. Oh, you had work, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, Max, it's a it's a pretty amazing story, right? You come over from India in in high school, right? Yep. You you move around, you go to a bunch of different schools, you end up in New York, you find a job, right? Yep. You feel like you're probably in a good situation. You lose the job, you don't have any savings, you end up being homeless for a while until you can catch another break, right? You meet that guy who gave you a chance and then it started snowballing forward from there a little bit, right? So as you look back at this whole journey, right, you're young, you're a millionaire now, which is incredible, right? When you look back at where you've been, what advice would you give to somebody that's in a similar situation or or what would you change? You mentioned earlier you'd start in real estate sooner, but I mean, how, how did you, how were you able to do this? How were you able to stay focused and stay strong enough to keep moving forward even when, when you were living on the streets? The advice I would give people to is that start saving. Saving is the first step to be a millionaire. It's not just a, all the steps, but it will be first step. Don't burn your money. Start work hard. Live like a poor. 
they wonder if you're making too much money, live like a poor, and start looking into the investments in other deals. The more income streams you have, the better for you, the better it will be for you in the future. Start your own business. Be happy, though, because ever since I was in high school, I used to work 100 hours a week, and I'm still working 100 hours a week right now. But don't be like me. Don't be workaholics. Enjoy your life at the same time, because when you grow up older, you're going to miss all of those years. You say don't be like me, but you're a millionaire at 31, man. Yeah, but then you will have a lot of consequences too. Like you could start saving it and work your way up. I made a lot of mistakes. I spent all the money. When I was in school and college, I used to make 30 plus thousand a year. I used to burn all that in traveling. Like I said, don't be like past me. Save up money. Start your own business as early as you can. I would say one thing that education in the state needs to have a financial classes in the school teach the people how kids how to save money and start their own business they have to have one of those classes in school yeah i'm totally with you there financial education and yep. that needs it, to be taught earlier than it is yep. for sure 90 percent of the ki- the people here in the states they live paycheck to paycheck and if they had a class like that they would the whole economy would progress faster yeah i'm with you there it would totally change things so yep. yeah Max, thank you. It's amazing. I appreciate you coming on and being able to share this. It's, and, no, and I appreciate open, you all for up. having me here. Thank you so much for you guys. Oh, I, I appreciate you and that your story, I think, will resonate with people. So thank you again, everybody. It's Max net worth of a million dollars. Thanks for coming on, Max. Yes, sir. I appreciate you and hope you guys have a great day. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.